0: Okay. Bring us in. You to make.
1: Back to the bin. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. I am your host, Paul Spataro, and along with me is my ever-jovial sidekick, Dr. Bill Robinson.
0: <laughs> I, th-
1: I thought you were going to be more offended by the fact that I called you my sidekick, but I, I kind of like that you, you latched onto the ever-jovial parts.
0: Yeah, just keep talking, laughing boy. Psychic buzzball buzz <laughs> Give you a sidekick. Not a sidekick. Uh, so, I don't you know couldn't nothing do it about the brain, I'm not a psychic. You couldn't do a sidekick if you tried. I could, uh, it depends. Are you on the ground? <laughs> <laughs> Are you standing up? Are you crouched? I could probably get you crouched. Standing up, you know, I'd have to be like falling off a ladder, then I could get you.
1: Yeah, well, I'll, I'll take that, whatever.
0: <laughs> so, uh. As Mr. Spock would say, there are this
1: always is, possibilities. This is our first time recording since our last face to face meet. So oh, yeah. we should maybe touch on that for a moment. We went, we met up at a. Well, actually, we met up at a mall and we went to a couple of different <laughs> oh, stores. Whoa,
0: whoa, 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 whoa,
1: whoa. What, what, what,
0: what? How about the whole. Okay, we met up at the mall and proceeded to keep getting lost at the mall. Where are you? I'm over here. Oh, I'm over here now. No, wait, where are you? Oh, wait, I was in the bathroom at Dillard's. Wait, where are you at? Well, now I'm down by the ice (laughs) skating rink. No, I'm in the bathroom at Dillard's. Come on already. Where are you?
1: Now, anybody who's listening and thinks, boy, Bill tends to exaggerate.
0: No. you're,
1: You're right, but he's not exaggerating this time. What happened was I was there with my group. And Bill came to meet up with me, with Ben, mm-hmm. and we were having lunch when Ben got when Bill and Ben got there. I did invite them to join us. They declined.
0: Well, you were already uh, at dessert. And then we we're like, yeah. No,
1: no, no. I invited you oh, when we were much. heading yeah, over. Yeah, yeah. Right. And uh, they, they declined. So we ended up getting together after we finished lunch. But then they had been roaming around the mall, and we kind of came out trying to find them. And it was... Kind of similar to, like, you know, in a Bugs Bunny cartoon where they show the two different stories with four different doors. And the people are going up and down and just coming out of weird openings all the time. Yeah, because we were probably on the top level. You're on the bottom level. And we went into the comic store there, which was really not much of a comic store. And it was lame. It was lame. Yeah. Sorry. There 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 was the comic store, and then there was, like, I don't remember what the name of it was. It was, like, a geek collectibles place. Think Geek.
0: Yeah, I did find something there that I purchased. But then there was the game store where they have, they sold pool tables and video games and all kinds of yeah. My, my, like buddy, Lagoons, was, my b- buddy was bric a brack. My buddy was very enamored
1: with the Creature from the Black Lagoon pinball machine, yeah. which was going for about eight thousand uh, dollars. <laughs> there was no way he was going to buy that without his wife killing him. But <laughs> we did we did look it up on eBay, and the asking price there is significantly higher. Ooh, really? Yeah, so that may not have been a bad buy. It's just, you know, as we were discussing, he and I, after we left there, it comes down to a point where with something like that, where you stop talking about what the actual value is because you're really not buying it as an investment. You're buying it because it's something you really like. Mm -hmm. So you start asking yourself, what's it worth to me (laughs) to have this in my house? And ultimately, $8,000 is... More than either of us would would pay on something like that, but uh, like I said, when we saw it on eBay, I think I think we saw it for about twelve thousand. Mm. So it, you know, it was it, from from a collectible price range. It probably was fairly priced, but from a I'm going to get this and put it into my basement point of view, it was far more than I would be willing to spend. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, we ended up going to Emerald Comics, and we both. Did get a you know a few comics? I, I bought uh ten issue ten older issues of Daredevil. I posted a picture on the page. Uh, you got more newer stuff than that, right?
0: Um, I got some Marvel two and one. I don't remember what I actually got that day.
1: Yeah, you definitely got a, a stack of two and ones because I remember I was going through.
0: Actually, the, I had you. I was going back.
1: through the bin, and you you were telling me you were telling me which ones you needed, and I was pulling them out for you.
0: I think I no, I got some older. Uh, of the Fantastic Fours, and then I I got one of the Marvel Two ones that had a price on it because I didn't feel like sitting there wait for them to price every freaking book. So yeah, that's
1: the thing that's annoying is the you bring them up front and we'll look them up on uh, on whatever site and then we'll put we'll tell you how much they cost. I, I like before I go over to purchase a book, I like to already know what it's
0: cost. Yeah, especially if you get a lot of books, and and we were all you were getting ready to leave because you had to get back. Um, you, uh, because you'd left left the ladies at the mall, and uh, <laughs> yeah. although they they were actually very good about it, cause, I was going <laughs> to say how, how much trouble did you guys get in? Because it was like a twenty minute, twenty five minute drive to the store and back, and they went into like, uh, and no, this is me sexist. They went in, I think they went to get their nails done, right?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. But what, what, it's not sexist because that's what they did. Right. But what happened was. <laughs> we left, we had eaten at P.F. Chang's, and we had left the restaurant, my friend Ken and I, to meet up with you and Ben. And it took us a long time to meet up. And then when we did meet up, we went into this game store. And we were looking around there for a while. So then we came out of the game store, and the girls were coming over then. And it was probably half an hour after we left them. And they were like, my God, you haven't even left the mall yet. (laughs) So so they were like, you know, thinking, you know, how long are you going to be? Then we went to Emerald City, which took, like you said, about 20 minutes or so to drive there. Probably spend another half an hour in the store, yeah. and another twenty minutes to drive back. But when we got, and then, and then when we got back, all of a sudden he, he Ken kind of had to go to Dillard's and get whatever he needed there. So it took a while for us to meet up with them again. But when we did meet up with them, they
0: were cool about it. Okay, yeah, I was, I was like, well, I said to Ben, I'm like, yeah, yeah. I wonder how much trouble they're going to get in when they get back. No, there was actually no
1: trouble, which was nice. Nice. Cool. It's nice to not be in trouble once in a while. <laughs>
0: Took too long.
1: Oh. so that was our our 2018 meetup adventure. And then you met Followed, up. With, then you met up with Scott too, right? Yeah, met, he, met up. Well, I met with you on Saturday, and then met up with Scott on. Where did Monday. you go again?
0: Yeah. That that Eptok. Ep Ek, Ekpot. Ek, Ekpot.
1: That's it. Yeah. Yeah. He, Scott was able to meet up with us before he had to go to work that day. So he's he spent, I don't know. Maybe. He, Two and a half, three hours with us, and then he had to go to work.
0: You know, ah, ne, ne, uh, that's why I'm the best, best, uh, <laughs>
1: best <yeah>. sidekick and <laughs> best <laughs> sidekick going. This, well, actually, you're not the best. It's probably Robin Bucky than you.
0: Oh, hey, all right, I'm in good co- company. You're, you're, hey, you're a just minute. above, you're wait just above Sandy. <laughs> didn't, didn't, bu- well, well, they died, but some came back, so. Yeah
1: they did both die <laughs> <laughs>
0: great and as far as I know neither of them had the diabetes yeah the slow painful death ah. so yeah that's so, uh, I also picked up a couple books later on um, uh, I did pick up some Marvel two and ones uh, I had to go work took me over in another part of town where I ran into a, a quick store grabbed books that were already priced and it's -hmm. it's basically buy two get one free at that place so and it's like one two one for me one two one for me (laughs) so I picked up a few more uh, Marvel 2 and 1 and and a couple older Justice Leagues that I uh, the Justice League of America because I've slowly been looking at getting some some of those not to the extent uh, I'm not going to go hog wild like I did with, with the Avengers but, uh, oh, you know, uh, future future show might be uh, there's a new West Coast Avengers book that's going to come out. We might t- take a look at that. Yeah. yeah, we were discussing that yesterday, that that's a possibility. I'm just thinking, like, from a collecting
1: point of view, which, you know, you're talking about Marvel 2 and one so I'll start off with how's that run coming along? Do uh, you still have, need much in there?
0: Uh, I think I need about ten issues and two annuals. I think That's not that bad. The problem is one of the annuals will be a pricey one. Oh, yeah, I've seen it. At my LCS, it's I. I think he had like fifty dollars, and I'm like, no. Nah. You know that's that's a crazy price. Although, but... if I catch it on a deal and it's what you think twenty five is too much for that book, it's it's borderline. I I kind of think I'd stop at twenty, but mm. twenty
1: five. You know what's realistically the difference between twenty five and twenty from a pricing point of view? Probably isn't that dramatic, but. I think I'd kind of set the twenty dollars price, even though I know it goes for more. Right? That's that's the price that I would be looking for it at.
2: Yeah. Hmm.
1: No, so I I found like when we were there, I ended up buying ten issues of Daredevil, all under issue one hundred, and I I feel like I've had a lot of luck because my 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 under one hundred under issue one hundred run of Daredevil was kind of sparse. And in the last year or so, I've had a lot of luck finding issues at a good price. So I probably have—I don't even know—but I've, I've picked up a fair number of them. So now I'm starting to think, oh, you know, maybe I could—maybe that's a run I could do, like from issue one, which who knows how much I'd have to pay. The earliest issue I have right now is issue nine. So issue one through eight are probably too expensive, but. Uh, I was thinking, if, you know, I, I could set a target on issue one through the Frank Miller era and then kind of stop there.
0: Well, you need to send me your want list because I've got, uh, I mean, if I ever get around to sort through my daredevils, I might have some. Yeah, you said you might have some duplicates in there. Yeah, or I might just give them to you. I'm not, I I. don't know yet. Oh, I just looked, uh, so I've got, I need only 98 Fantastic Four books to have all the Fantastic Four, um, like, all the way up to current, like all the iterations of the FF. FF. Now, how many? How many of those ninety-eight are between one and one hundred? Oh, most of them. Ninety-eight. <laughs> <98? laughs> uh, probably one, two, three, four. Uh, ninety-four of them. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's that's a that's a large number. And then I need six annuals. Yeah. Oh, that's and what that's what I picked up at, um, at Emerald City. I got annual number nine. I was able to pick that up for in that in the what was it the five dollar bin? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I picked up a couple uh, of the FF issues that I needed. So, well, so.
1: In, in a perfect world,
0: which we do not live in, but in a perfect world, if
1: you if you needed ninety four issues between one and one hundred, you'd need issues
0: seven through one hundred. And even that would be cost prohibitive. Oh, I'm not looking to get those. I mean, I, I'll just pick them up if, you know. Like, there was a few more in that uh, um, cheap bin, but I was like, I, they really were beat up. And I was like, nah, it's okay. Yeah. I mean, they were like, you know, looked like a dog had eaten them, and then they stuffed them in a bag. So.
1: And then the dog ate the bag. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, oh, you know what? There is there's one thing I've been looking for, and no, this is not. I'm not soliciting. Don't send it to me. It's fine. Is Young Avengers number fourteen, volume two? But looking for that. Once I get that, I'll pretty much be all set on like everything Avengers, because I'm getting all the new stuff as it comes out now. That's why I know that there's going to be the West Coast uh, series. I'm kind of curious to who's going to be in that, but I guess we'll see. Did you did you pick up the new FF? Not yet. I haven't mm-hmm. looked. At, I haven't seen it. Have Have
1: Well, you could just give me a kind of. I liked it. I didn't like it. Uh, just a spoiler-free review.
0: Eh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, it was like there's some things that happen that you're like, "Ooh," and then there's other things that's like, "Eh, okay." I mean, I've been reading uh, Marvel two and one, so you know, I knew. They kind of reiterate. I think they kind of catch people up. There's a few pages of that that you know, and then there's some surprises that I won't spoil. But that that was good. But it's like you know, it was all right. It's all right. It was all right. And the I words wasn't of like Leland. ooh. It was just like yeah okay yeah it's all right. Sure. There's your non-spoiler Fantastic Four number. I mean, for all the hype, I was, that's why I was like I think it was just hype too much. I'm, I'm curious that... Where it's going to go. It's a wait and see. You know, it's not I don't think any comics are going to be earth shattering anymore because it's all you know, you got to get a six issue story arc. So, mm-hmm. you know, well, that's always the way it is now. I mean, there is like something happens. You're like, oh, but overall, yeah. I mean, I think we'll get some more better stuff later on a few more issues. I like having better stuff, more better stuff.
1: Is the resolution of the fi- the Fantastic Four getting together again satisfactory?
0: I don't want to say anything until you read it. Again, I'm not asking you to tell me <laughs> anything other than yes or no. <laughs> oh, uh, I'll say no, is what okay. I'll say, and you will understand when you read it. Okay, we should get to a book now. Okay, let's do that. Well, I guess I go first because I picked an old book, probably one of the oldest books we've done. We have done older, but not many. Mm. I needed something light because I things suck, <laughs> and I wanted something. I, I didn't want something dark. I didn't want anything heavy. I didn't want to think. I wanted to read a book and laugh, and that's what I got. I picked a DC, and I didn't even realize this was number one when I looked at it. Number one. Pew, 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 pew. In 1956, June, July, Jackie Gleason and the Honeymooners, number one. Woohoo! Thank you. Thank you very much. And on the cover, we have uh, Ralph Cramden dressed as a Hollywood director type with a tripod camera behind him, and uh, Norton back there.
2: Good.
0: with the uh you know with the little the little clicker clacker hold it in uh we have Alice dressed in like a uh I got to say I want to say this right now I got to say for a 1956 book these women are drawn really uh a lot more uh, suggestive than I would have thought
1: Yeah I I, I was going to comment <laughs> on that
0: cuz I was
2: like
1: whoa yeah. wait a minute well it, it it's kind of i mean we're getting into the discussion a little bit but it's kind of yeah uh it's kind of like a combination it's 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 more more uh racy yep. than you'd think but they're supposed to be in bathing suits so they're not racy by that standard for today
0: that is true but re reading this i i I was almost like, you know, this is the way I could see somebody drawing this this way today. Like for 1956 art, even though a lot of it is caricatures of the actors, it's. I, I, well, you know, we shouldn't give we shouldn't give away the store before we talk about the book. So we're just going to cover the first story, and it's it's a lovable little story of Ralph coming home and wanting to getting ready for his vacation, and Alice is there doing the dishes. And, of course, as usual, she insults him, and he's, you know, pow, one of these days, to the moon, right in the kisser. And uh, he starts opening up this trunk, and he's got all this movie equipment, and he's like, Yeah, I'm, I'm going to make a movie about, I was going to play, <laughs> I was going <gonna, laughs> to, it's almost like he's got some type of fantasy. But, but Alice, our movie's going to be about a beachcomber and a rich society dame. I was going to play the beachcomber, and you were going to play the rich society dame. Ralph, are you kidding? I'd be out of my mind to get involved in a harebrained idea that you and Norton dreamed up. So, anyway, as it turns out, uh, Alice and Trixie are got their bathing suits on, and they're heading off to the beach. So, later, uh, hey, Ralph Boy, Norton comes in, and uh, he's got like a bunch of fake scenery, and, and he brought bags of sand for them to set up to do the filming, and uh, Ralph makes himself a... a director's chair Ralph Crandon director and star <laughs> and Norton makes his own chair which basically has everything else listed on it and uh, Ralph puts on a beret and they get a knock at the door and it's a uh, it's a a door-to-door bathing suit lady uh, ladies bathing suit salesperson and um, they convinced the lady uh, to basically come in and be their model because she, they're, they're able to convince her that he's a Hollywood director. So she goes in the other room, changes into her outfit, comes out, and, it's, you know, there's the va va voom joke. And at that point, uh, Alice and Trixie come back in while the boys are uh, caught trying to, you know, Norton's dumping all the bags of, uh, of, of sand, or actually, at this point, it's salt, down onto the floor to create a beach. The girls kick the other lady out. Then they uh <laughs> she's like, Clean this place up, Ralph. I wanna clean it up now. So Ralph tells Norton, Alright Norton, just, just just get rid of this stuff. You know, clean up the sand. Well Ralph, how am I gonna do that? Just I don't care, just get get just get rid of it. So he drills a hole in the floor with an old style, you know, little uh and the hand drill. Yeah, yeah, with a hand drill and, uh, it dumps all the sand (laughs) onto his neighbor's meal downstairs, and the guy tries to plug up the hole in the ceiling with his thumb, and when he does, Ralph steps on his thumb, and then they, uh, (laughs) they try to get the sand to keep going down, so he sticks a broom through the hole and hits the guy in the back. So then the guy comes downstairs and proceeds to feed his dinner to, uh, to, uh, to Ralph and Norton and, uh, but Alice comes to their rescue, gives the guy some grub, All all's well that ends well, and you get a nice kiss of baby, you're the greatest, as he kisses Alice, and Norton says, Trixie, you're a sweet kid, and that's it. And it, that's the story that we're going to cover tonight, and, it, it, and I got some good chuckles out of it, it's good to get some laughs. It, you know, it's good to have a comic just do that, make you laugh. And then there's there's a few other stories in here, uh, which we'll talk about after we talk about the first one. So, I like this.
1: I You know, it loses something without having the actual performers giving yeah. you what, what you're going over. But, I mean, you, they they hit on a lot of the... Uh, the tropes. Yeah, the, the the standard lines. You know, power right in the kisser, one of these days, baby, you're the greatest... I think there's a To the Moon in here also. I mean, you get to hear Norton with the va-va-va-voom and all of that stuff. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, you're getting the stuff. Uh, I got to say, I got a little bit of a kick out of the artwork, which I usually do not like in these things. Yeah. But they're drawn – there's really no real effort to make them look, you know, photorealistic in the slightest. But it's a character
0: enough that you capture the
1: character. Yeah, they capture the character, and some of the pictures, uh, if you go to the second page of the story, the, in in the middle right, there's a close-up of Alice's face. Uh-huh. It really looks to me, I don't know if you're familiar with the artist, uh, the caricature artist, Al Hirschfeld.
0: Yes, yes.
1: He he did, like, the covers. He did a lot of Broadway characters. Oh, yeah, did, characters. He do,
0: like, did he do, did he used to do a lot of The New Yorker?
1: yes. Yes, okay. he, he also did the cover of, they had those books uh, about the Marx Brothers, they had Wired Duck, they had Who's On First with Abbott and Costello, uh, My Little Chickadee about uh, W.C. Fields, and those were books, they were, you know, the photos from the movies with then, you know, the text saying what they say, but mm-hmm. he did the covers on them, and he was, you know, he was very famous. So I think he, you're probably right, The New Yorker was probably his most uh, famous thing, uh, but he, he, you know, he had a very… Very unique style of his own uh, in the way that he did his caricatures, and when I look at this, I see some of that in here, and I wonder—I, you know—I wondered if it was him that actually drew this because there's no art credit.
0: Yeah, i was going to say I wasn't able to. I, I didn't mention who wrote it or anything else because none of that is listed that I could find it in the book. Yeah, I looked up the DC Comics database. They don't have anybody
1: credited there. I even tried to put in. Uh, Jackie Gleason and the honeymoon is number one. Al Hirschfeld to see if I could kind of get some confirmation that way, and I I, I came up empty on my uh, searches. Mm-hmm. But but I thought it was interesting, you know, the possibility that maybe he did do this because this would be, you know, in the fifties, so it would be a little bit before he was, at least in my, you know, before he was famous to my knowledge. Mm-hmm. So it could be his. It could be him that drew it at the time. Uh, you know, this this could be some of his earlier work, but I don't know. <laughs> so I'm, I'm giving that as purely a speculation. But but I I like the artwork in here because, as I said, he's trying to capture the spirit of them. He's drawing them as cartoon characters, uh, but he's really not. You know, he's not trying to be photorealistic at all.
0: Yeah, I was just scrolling through some of the other ones to see if uh, now there's no there's no art credits anywhere. So,
1: you know the way he draws Norton with the droopy eyes, that seems to be a Hirschfeld trope. Uh, you know, I don't know, I don't know if he had anything to do with this book whatsoever, but it looks <laughs> it's just what it looks like to me. That's what it reminds me of, and and the, you know, the, it's it's a do- it's a dopey story, but it is entertaining. You could hear the lines coming out of.
0: Uh, Oh yeah, when actors, I was reading if, if you it in my about head, it. I was doing Jackie Gleason and, and, and Art Carney. You know, because Norton brings like all the stuff in. <laughs> he's like, Norton, where did where did you get all that stuff? Well it's done in the cellar, Ralph. Sure, I've been working in the sewer for ten years now. And ten years, Ralph, anything and everything floats by. I got a collection of stuff. <laughs> so he's like, everything comes up and he's found it. He even found a torpedo in the sewer. <laughs> Ugh, anyway. So,
1: yeah, I mean, it's it's 1950s television adaptation. At this point, they they had quite a few of these. They had a Jerry Lewis comic. Yeah. Uh, They had a Sergeant Bilko comic. I'm trying to think of what else. There there were definitely others that I'm not remembering off the top of my head. There was a Bob Hope comic. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, the Honeymooners, when did they go off the air? I'm, I'm looking that up real quick.
1: Well, did they... The Honeymooners had an interesting history, though, because they were part of the Jackie Gleason variety show. Then they had the one season where they had dedicated solely to the Honeymooners. That's the famous 39 episodes. Then they continued to do episodes on the Jackie Gleason show, which those were eventually called the Lost Episodes because they were saved in Kinescope. Uh, When they first came out with those in the 1980s, some of my friends and I went to actually see one of them at the Museum of Broadcast in Manhattan because that was the only place to see them at the time. And while we were there waiting online to go in, uh, Joyce Randolph, who played Trixie, actually came out and greeted us all and signed autographs and was very friendly. Uh, And then in the 1960s, they did a series of episodes in color. Hmm. And then in the 1970s, they had a couple of reunion shows. Like maybe like four of them, so the honeymooners history is you know, this, there's, there's, every, everybody knows the the one season, but there's a lot more to it than that.
0: All right, yeah, I just hmm. you 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 really up on your honeymooners lore. It's one of my favorite shows. Oh, see, so. I picked this not even knowing that. Had no yes, I... no no clue. I could, I could dig into my, D,
1: my my DVD cabinet and pull out pretty much. all. I can pull out the uh, the, the original thirty nine episodes. I have the color nineteen sixties episodes. I have the reunion shows, and then I have some sporadic of the lost episodes. So I have a lot of them on DVD. And uh, what I what I've said though is, as much as I love the honeymooners, I have never been a fan of. Jackie Gleason's other comic portrayals, uh, and by that I don't mean when he was in. Well, I, actually, I, I was. I'm not the biggest fan of his uh, Smokey and the Bandit. I, I, I think sometimes it's a little over the top, and I know that gets some people mad at me. I mean, I think it was fine for what it was, but I don't think it's. To me, it's not. It's not Ralph Cramden. Um, you mean you're not a fan of Reggie Van Gleason the third? Well, that's what I was going to say. The the characters he did on. His variety show, besides Ralph Pramden, which would include Reggie Van Gleason, Fenwick Babbick, Babbitt, who's the uh, they call him the poor soul, uh, Charlie Bratton, who's like a loud, mm-hmm. big mouth guy. Uh, then there's Joe the bartender. Uh, I can't even think of if there's. If, I'm sure there's others that I'm forgetting, but I, I, I never found all of them to be all that funny. He did a movie in the '60s where he plays a, a mute guy called it's like i don't know if it's called Gijo or Gigo or i don't know how it's pronounced it's g-i-g-o-t and i think it's one of the most painful movies in the world to watch now painful compared, in a good com- way or painful in a bad pain. no in a bad oh, way yeah. in a bad way i just found it to be horrible boring uh <laughs> it, it's just i thought it was terrible on the other hand his portrayal of minnesota fats and the hustler is excellent mm. uh he did. He did a movie in the '80s with Tom Hanks called Nothing in Common, where he plays Tom Hanks's father. I thought he was really good in that. So there's there's things he's done besides Ralph Cramden that I've liked, but you know, there's there's a lot of stuff that I, I you know I just feel like Ralph Cramden was his wheelhouse. That's what it basically yeah. comes down to.
0: And the way he was also
1: famous we go. He was famous for, you know, that he, he was he was a partier, and he didn't like to rehearse. <laughs> and the rest of the cast, you know, they had to find a cast who could deal with that. Ah. You know, because most actors want to rehearse. They want to, you know, get comfortable with the role. And uh, <laughs> he just didn't want to do that, which if you watch The honeymooners, you can see it's very obvious. There's a lot of impromptu uh, ad-libbing that goes on when somebody <laughs> forgets a line or, you know, one of the props doesn't work right. One of my favorite things is just really quickly is when uh, he's got the little items that he's selling and it's like it does a thousand and one things or whatever and and they're doing something and a piece of it pops off and Norton just turns around and says, hey, maybe you should say something about spearfishing. And it's, <laughs> I just, you know, like just the way it comes to them so fast, I just think it's great. Yeah. So, you have anything more to
0: add on this one? Uh... uh the, um... Well, we already talked a little bit about how the, that, I don't know, if, I don't know if I want to say racy, but, I mean, for 1956, it's kind of like, wow, they're, I mean, yeah, they're going to the beach, and that's not racy nowadays, but. I'm not even sure it was racy for the beach back then. Yeah. Uh, but, it, but it,
1: you know. Compared to what Alice would normally wear in the house. Yeah, you know, this yeah is like yeah. It's I mean, like she's wearing a mini skirt, which she, I'm sure had a bathing suit bottom underneath the skirt. And then it uh, looks like, you know, like a tube top.
0: Yeah, she's walking out the door and like, like, this looks like something I'd see in the 70s.
1: And and he comes in the door and he doesn't even say anything about it right away. Yeah. I guess because he's so consumed with what he's doing that he's he doesn't notice.
0: with his trunk of, uh, of camera equipment. <laughs>
1: But Alice's uh, outfit is far more sexy than Trixie's.
0: Really? Uh, I don't know. I kind of like Trixie's. Uh, I, it looked like Trixie had garters on, but it's just a white uh, band around the bottom of her. <laughs> well, see, you you would be. I
1: would be Ralph, and you'd be Ed, and then you could be with Trixie.
0: Hmm. Anyway, <laughs> so I would be the dumb one, and you'd be yelling at me, right? <laughs> Well, <laughs> funny how things don't change.
1: I, I, I'm not Abbott and Costello.
0: Nothing. Which one am I? Never mind. Move on. Yeah, but you know what? Everybody likes Costello more. That's right, because Abbott's an a hole. Hey, how 'bout
1: it? It's. Uh, I, I could go on and on about Abbott I and mean, Costello because actually their 1950s show is another one of my big favorites, <laughs> and I love their movies, but. Yeah. Maybe we'll do an Abbott and Costello book one day.
0: Ooh. Uh, some of the other ads in here, uh, like right after the first story, we have uh, a grainy black-and-white photo of Tony Curtis. Oh, that's who that is. You didn't know who that was? No. Jeez. You couldn't tell oh, that was boy. Tony Curtis? No. Oh. Well, yeah, that's who I
1: think it is. Six hundred and thirty one movie and TV star pictures for twenty five cents. cents.
2: You know what? I mean, I guess I'm
1: looking at it. I guess it could be Tony Curtis or somehow somehow Jason Bateman was alive in
0: 1956. (laughs) Jeez.
1: Yeah, you can, and, then, and then but the, you know what? There's an, uh, the, the, just below that. There's a uh, admit one to Palisades Amusement Park in New Jersey, which just strikes me as a little strange. Because how many, you know, how was this distributed? How many people lived in range to go to Palisades Park? Hmm. Who, who bought this book? You know, you're in California. You're like, what the hell? Are you give me this for? Well,
0: if I ever go, yeah, this was a ten cent book and. You've got a. I mean, the ticket costs twenty five cents to get into the park, and it, it's got Superman in the ad.
1: Yeah. Be my guest at Palisades Amusement Park, New Jersey. This coupon entitles you to free admission, free acts, free parking.
0: And yeah, then we got other good, ones. Good, good
1: Mondays and Fridays, not on alternating Tuesdays.
0: <laughs> uh, this coupon
1: appears in all May issues.
0: Looking at some other ads. Well, the one at the end gets me the... Uh... <laughs> what, the, the miniature dog?
1: Yeah. <laughs> wait, Please give me a home at no cost, your new, real-life miniature dog.
0: Wait, Supply gonna, limited, right today. How to send it to you? They're going to put it in a box with holes in it?
1: It's a are miniature you... dog.
0: It's a chihuahua. It's not a miniature dog. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I have no idea what. Please what give me a home at almost no cost. Your real new, your new real live miniature dog. I'll be happy to send. To send you without you paying a penny this lovable young miniature dog that is so tiny you can carry it in your pocket or hold it in one hand. Yet it barks and is reliable watchdog as well as a pet, and it'll pee all over you. You can keep it in a shoebox and enjoy many amusing hours teaching it tricks like how to breathe in a box. Act, active, healthy, intelligent and clean. Simply hand out simply hand out only twenty get equated coupons to friends and relatives to help us get that many new customers what? So what do you? This is like a mailing, mail order scheme to get a dog. Uh, then says, "Please send me your favorite
1: snapshot photo or Kodak picture. When writing for your miniature dog, we will make you a beautiful five by seven inch enlargement in a handsome movie tone frame, so you can tell your friends about our bargain hand colored enlargements when handing out the get acquainted coupons. Just mail me your favorite snapshot print." or negative now, and pay the postman only 19 cents, plus postage and handling, plus postage when your treasured enlargement arrives, and I'll include the movie tone frame at no extra cost. This is just a weird ad. You also include the color of hair and eyes with your picture <laughs> so I can give you our bargain <laughs> offer on a second enlargement, artfully hand-colored in oils for natural beauty, sparkle, and life like we have done for oh. thousands of others. Probably- I'm so anxious to send you a miniature dog that I hope you will send me your name, address, and favorite snapshot right away and get your 20 enlargement coupons to hand out. Mrs. Ruth Long, gift manager. That is
2: weird. <laughs>
0: We should send away to this address, Mrs. Ruth Long, Dean Studios. I'm thinking, I'm thinking Mrs. Ruth Long is not
1: around <laughs> is anymore. Is not long
0: for this world? <laughs> what, are you looking up the address?
1: I'm, I'm just putting it. I just did a Google search, Ruth Long, Dean Studios Miniature Dog. And I see, I see there's an entry here for vintage ads. I'm looking for one that
0: maybe explains it. Here we go. Uh, Ruth Long was really silly, serial killer, such and such. <laughs> here's here's my photo. Here's my name and address.
1: So what's it say here? Uh, well, here's a surprise. In 1960, Clark Gephardt, Byron Gephardt, Fidel's Gephardt, who were partners trading as Dean Studios, were issued with a cease and desist order by the Federal Trade Commission. It was for advertisements... Such as the one beneath that were false, misleading, and deceptive. So it appears that no dog ever arrived, and it also <laughs> raises the question about whether the sweet and lovable Mrs. Ruth Long really existed. <laughs> then they quote the uh, the ad. Uh, it's but it doesn't. I mean, this picture of Ruth Long and this ad that they have here. Well, obviously, that's weird, that's- but I get. But I guess. I guess. It was a false ad, though, and they didn't send dogs to
0: people. So, what were they doing with people's pictures? Were they, were they even were they just getting like, the money for the thing and never sending them a photo? I, I, must I, have, I, I, wait because you had to send a photo, and they would yeah. supposedly enlarge it, enlarge it, and color it. Wow,
1: that's a very that is surreal.
2: Mm.
1: I mean, that's you know what that ad just bumped up this book a full letter grade. <laughs> So let's grade it.
0: All right. The cover, I mean, uh, you know, some of the art I see on the shelves now, this would be comparable with it. Like like we said, even though they're caricatures, they're done well. It's not – it's actually I think it's better because it's not photorealistic for me. So – I'm going to give the cover, I'm going to give the cover a B and I mean, we didn't really get in detail about the other stories because it's about some of his other characters that he, that he portrayed that we discussed. But I mean, as for the first story, I got a, I got some good laughs out of it. Some good guffaws. Uh, so, um, story wise, I'm going to give the story a B and, um, the art, the art is pretty much the same as, as the cover. Um, I didn't think of the Hirschfeld, but now that you say that, that you know, I see that especially in that Trixie picture. Excuse me, that's uh, Alice, not Trixie. My bad. <laughs> and um, uh, so, wait, did I do? No, I'm doing the art now. So uh, B, B overall. All right. So I, I like oh, the and, art. Uh, the yeah, co- the ad. Oh. oh, yeah, yeah. The ad, B plus because of the ad. Okay. The i like the cover uh, i think for a
1: first issue they could have made it a little bit more i don't know focused but uh, i'm surprised they didn't even use a live action photo on the on the cover they did that a lot on these adaptation comics yeah
2: but yeah but, uh, you, but i'm glad i'm
1: glad they didn't i think there's an improvement over doing that
0: yeah because this kind of takes them out of their element they're they're in in, in this photo they look like they're on a the beach but if you look closely you can see it's a set behind them like right in the left hand corner you see where there's mm-hmm. like like a piece of wood holding up this, because it looks like they could be at the beach, until you see yes. off on the left there's a little detail that it's actually holding up a facade, because other than that you can't tell that this is their his apartment.
1: Yep, I agree, and I think I think it's pretty well done. So I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you. I'm gonna say a B on the cover. Uh, as far as the story goes, it's silly, it's dopey, but. Again, you have to judge it for what it is. When they did these adaptations, I think this is one of the better ones. I think it is kind of amusing. It's got some funny moments in it. So I'm going to say a B on the story. Uh, And I really like the artwork for what it is. I'm very happy that they didn't try and make it photorealistic, that they did turn them into cartoon characters. I think Al Hirschfeld was a great artist uh, or a great caricaturist. Uh, And the fact that I think this looks like he drew it, is is a definite compliment as far as I'm concerned. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a B plus on the artwork. And I would give the book a B overall, except for the miniature dog head knocks it right up to an A. <laughs> With smile
0: and Tony Curtis and a miniature dog in a teacup. So good choice, Bill. Thank you. Yeah, I enjoyed it. So let's let's move right
1: on to our next and one. It, and, I'm, and I'm
0: sure Scott will go. Oh man, Jackie Gleason! You covered
1: honeymooners. <laughs> I'm breaking our ten year rule, and I'm going with, with a five year one. You son of! A... <laughs> I'm covering the Superior Spider-Man number one, and it's by Dan Slot, R- Dan yeah, Dan Slot, Ryan, Ryan Stegman, and Edgar Delgado,
0: who is now the on cover... Fantastic Four, by the way. I He's the writer on
1: Delgado? No, oh, Slot. 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 The uh, the cover is by Stegman and Delgado and it shows Spider-Man crawling towards the reader with webs in the foreground. It's very dark. It doesn't look like Bill Sinekiewicz drew it, but it's almost that that moody kind of feel that his artwork had. Uh, definitely, you know, a foreboding feeling about it.
2: mm mm-hmm. Mhm.
1: Uh, the story is titled uh, "The Superior Spider-Man: In Hero or Menace." The story opens up with Peter Parker. I guess by way of uh, background, uh, Otto Octavius had was dying of some kind of disease at this point, and he found a way to replace Peter Parker's consciousness with his own, and that's how the that. Iteration of the Amazing Spider-Man series ended and it started up here in issue one of the superior Spider-Man because along with Peter's body, he did get a lot of his memories and that memory gave him a sense of conscience to a degree, which made him want to be a superior Spider-Man and to, you know, follow the lessons of great responsibility and great power that Spider-Man had always done. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, the story opens up with Peter. I'm gonna con- I'm gonna refer to him as Peter throughout. Uh, at Otto Octavius's brain, kind of talking to himself about what went on uh, when he gets when that uh, oh, something is you, going on. You mean at his grave? You said brain. Did I
0: brain? Brain.
1: What is brain? brain? He's at Otto Octavius's grave uh, and kind of thinking about what went on when he gets word of. Uh, an attack over at Empire State University, and he comes in to find the, sinister, the new Sinister Six, which is the Living Brain, uh, Whizzer, <laughs> who is like a speed speed demon at Sorry. this point, right. the Shocker, uh, Boomerang, the Beetle, and uh, what's it? B- oh. Big Wheel. Is it Paul? It's there's there's Don, yeah. No, it, it is the new Beetle, the new female Beetle. Uh, and they, they're breaking in to steal something from Empire State University, which really doesn't matter what they're trying to steal. Uh, they manage to get whatever it is, and they they they're going to make their getaway in the big wheel.
0: Big wheel, uh, keep on rolling. Oh, sorry.
1: So, starts off that Otto Octavius or Peter is very insulted. By the fact that they're calling themselves the Sinister Six which was a group in Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number 1 that he formed. So he's, he's a little perturbed by them. Uh, he, he gets into a battle with them and we have one of my favorite moments is uh, the Beatle is about to take a shot oh no, excuse me, the Shocker is about to take a shot at Spider-Man. He leaps out of the way and it hits the living brain from behind and the dialogue from the living brain is query why was this unit programmed with pain receptors (laughs) why (laughs) I just love that so he gets knocked out and they're they're doing battle when uh, the speed demon just kind of cuts in lays into him you know with like a hundred punches in a a fraction of a second and uh, Otto just had enough and goes away Uh, I'm trying to remember now hold on (laughs) sorry so I'm doing this without a pre-written stop uh-huh. uh, he as he's leaving there's uh, something well, it? One, oh, one of, oh, boomerang, one of boomerang, boomerang one of boomerangs blades is gonna hit a cop and Otto actually takes the brunt of the blow and saves him uh, they're, they're gonna uh, they, they take a boomerang to his throat and they're gonna like He's, he's like choking him out, but then uh, Otto has made updates to the Spider-Man uniform and he actually opens up some claws and then just swings around and, and cuts into Boomerang's chest with them. So <laughs> Boomerang is, is, is pissed off and, and just kind of, he can't believe that Spider-Man would do that to him and they make their escape. The police are thankful that he saved them and in, in, uh, gratitude, he requests that they let him take the living brain, which at some point does become a uh, plot point that we'll, we'll deal with much later down the road. Uh, he has the living brain delivered to Horizon Labs, where Peter is working. And uh, he comes in, and I, I also like that he's, he makes no effort to hide his, his personality. His they're, they're, they're looking at things, and he calls them dolts. He's just, he's just very, very condescending to all of them. And uh, he, he gets uh, the head of Horizon Labs, I forget what his name is, um, Mr. Modell. He gets him on board just because he lets him see, you know, the expensive or the potentially uh, valuable inventions that he's coming up with. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter is supposed to have a date with Mary Jane at this point, And we get a scene of the two of them in a restaurant and Peter is clearly just staring at Mary Jane's chest. The, the the drawing makes it very clear that that's what he's doing. Uh, he's he's pretty much ignoring her, but then like humors her by letting her speak. Then uh, the Sinister Six are making their plans. He's listening in on them because when he scratched Boomerang's chest, he also put some sort of micro-technology into him so that he could listen in and have them located. So when they go to make their next uh, robbery... He's already there waiting for them, and he's got things set up for them to, to fail. Uh, so he defeats them fairly easily at that point, and he's fairly getting ready. Too, cause he, well, he, he starts beating Boomerang to a pulp. Well, plus, he's and, like Speed Demon gets, like, clotheslined. Yeah, he gets clotheslined with some webbing on an, on an icy surface or an oily surface, whatever it is. Uh, but he's he's beating boomerang to a pulp, like, uh, you know, it looks like he's going to kill him, and then we get the image of a hand holding him back, but it's kind of a, you know, it's kind of a ghost image of a hand, and it's Peter, who somehow is still there in, somewhere in the recesses of his mind, and he says, you know, as long as you have my body, I'm not going to let you kill, pretty much. So da, is, do, doesn't matter. You don't get to kill. I won't let you. I don't know how I'm still in the fight, but I am. Peter Parker. I, I. am Peter Parker, and I will swear I will find a way back. And I don't know this. This run of Spider-Man. I was reading as it came out, and it was I thought much maligned, but I really enjoyed it. I thought Slott did a good job with this, and the artwork isn't my cup of tea it's not the style of artwork i like the bodies have just like too many angles on them uh but i do feel like it's kinetic i I don't like the anatomy but i do feel it's kinetic i think the storytelling is solid i think the story that that it's it's a little too cartoony for me so i go back and forth on it but Mm. i think it gets the job done uh i also find i've heard interviews with stegman and uh I've been in contact with him on Facebook. I find him to be a nice guy, uh, so I do. I do kind of like him. Uh, but you know, overall, I just got to say, I enjoyed this run. I enjoyed this book, and I'm curious. Did you? Is this your first experience with it, or had
0: you read it? I hadn't read it. I mean, I knew the basic plot, and I know a lot of people at the time were just very. Up in arms, and oh my god, uh, what do you mean Peter Parker's dead? And Dr. Hawk is taking it's like, okay, come on, you know, he's not dead. Okay, let's you sometimes you just can't keep telling the same story over and over and over, and you got to try something different to you know just to keep people interested. So, but no, this is my first time actually reading this, and you know, it's. I mean, the art for me is, Yeah, uh, no, I mean, I didn't have any, it kind of reminds me a little bit of like some Todd McFarlane, but not quite as uh, like in his, not when he, not really when he did Spider-Man, more some, maybe some of his more subdued Spawn stuff. Um, I, I
1: <laughs> see uh, the thing I didn't like about McFarland was a lot of times he would just say, you know, kind of anatomy be damned. Yeah. Uh, I don't really see that here. Like I said, I think some of the drawings are a little too angular for me. I don't yeah. I don't like some of that, but I do feel like the anatomy is for the most part okay.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: so I, I don't really feel like it reminds me that much of him, but I, I do see what you're saying, though, as far as the stylisticness
0: of it. Yeah. It's nice to see a different Sinister Six. I'm not familiar with the Living Brain, though. Uh, He was from, I think, Spider Man number five. Really? Oh. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, he's way, way back. Oh, okay. Now, if I remember, well, I don't. Doesn't he become a plot point? Because isn't that some way that. Does it? I don't remember. Does Peter try to take over the living brain? I, I'm not sure if Peter does. I think eventually, when Peter gets
1: his, when he gets control of his body again, I think that he uh, puts Doc Ock
0: in the in the living brain.
1: Yeah, I think. so. Hmm. Well, I think Doc Ock escapes to it.
0: Ah. Uh, hmm. Mary Jane's drawn rather well. Yeah, she does look but it's sexy. Very disturbing. Very disturbing with the one where she's. Zipping up her dress, and uh, she's like looking in the mirror. She's talking on the phone, and then the next panel over with uh, the leering Peter Parker with just his face in profile, with his teeth like, like he's ready to eat her, and he's saying, "Absolutely, Tiger, it's a date." And it's just like, oof. I mean, that's kind of it's very uh, making you know Doc Ock kind of uh, like a lecherous old man in a young man's body I mean I'm not saying that well I mean yeah I, I don't know if it would be disturbing for certain viewers Listen well it, there's a whole element readers. to this where where it's it's a it's almost essentially like
1: rape when you think about it because yeah. he's not Peter no and if they assuming their relationship is going to that that level then he's getting her under false pretenses Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's it's yeah. a little disturbing when you think about it, you know, when you start really thinking about that.
0: Yeah, so it's kind of creepy. What was the, I mean, and when he, t- well, I mean, I guess I'll have to seek it out and read it if I want to know whenever she finds out that Doc Ock was in his body, like, and she's like, oh, Yeah, my I, God. I don't know what the, <laughs> I don't know what the fallout was from that. mm well, we all know what the event will fall out. No more a, a brand new day. Oh, sorry. Or was that? Did that already happen? This yeah, movie? this, is after, oh, this a is after brand new day. Okay. Yeah, I'm not up on Spider-Man like on uh, a lot of other things. So, where did the female beetle come from?
1: I'm not sure. I, I don't remember where. You know, I, I didn't read the original iteration of that. Because I know at one point uh, they, the they beetle, did have they, they did have like a whole series of the, you know, the lethal foes of Spider-Man, and then there yeah. was the deadly foes of Spider-Man, and it focused on on this level of character. And some of them, I know uh, Shocker was one of the ones that got focused on, and I think Boomerang as well, and Speed Demon. Uh, but it's been so long since I've even looked at them that I well,
0: because it re-
1: they had one from years ago, and then they had another one that was kind of simultaneous with this.
0: Well, because the original Beetle became mocked. Mark- five in Thunderbolts, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's Abe something or other. I can't yeah. remember the real name. And then he uh then he like died, created himself a new body, uh, I think he was like a robot at one point in the in the No no that's that's the the uh, the fixer the, fix, the fixer became I mean, it's a robot. The fixer, okay. Alright well then I'm getting my uh still still Thunderbolts though. Yeah. Getting my villains confused or were they villains so so i mean like,
1: i think that this is this i'm sorry to cut you off there but uh i this this was kind of like a long game read yeah you know each issue was was a pretty fast read and it, it's it's you know it's such a shock it's written for the trade effectively mm-hmm. uh, and i think you know i think it's much more it was much more satisfying to read it in bunches than to read it one issue at a time
0: well, let me compare this number one to the FF number one because they're written by the same guy. This has more action in it than you're going to get in FF number one. But okay. it's, yeah, uh, the
1: action is good in this. But I it's
0: also the slow. It's a slow burn with what happens in it too. So, but uh, uh, the cover. So is that you know his fingers are indenting and breaking the concrete? Is that because of those things he's added to the gloves? Is that a giveaway try- for that? I'm or? trying
1: to remember.
0: I, I, I think mean, just, it might be. I mean, you look on the cover. Whatever he's putting his fingers on, it's puncturing. It you, you could see cracks in on both hands. I mean, the only thing I can think,
1: like off the top of my head, is it just shows how much he's how much pressure he's putting.
0: Yeah, but he but never had to put pressure on something to stick no. to
1: it. And he does have Spider-Man's full power set. Right. So. So I
0: am not sure on that. I mean, honest. I don't know if maybe they just threw that little touch in because of the little claw things in the story when he shreds his shreds uh the costume of boomerang and and actually implants like a nano tracker, and that's how he's listening in to the conversation. So So, all right. Well, I mean, I guess we can go ahead and rate this uh I mean, we've pretty much covered, because it's a quick book. Yeah, it is a quick book, and like I said, it's kind of a long-haul
1: mm-hmm. story. Uh, but just just to say, like I said, I thought this was much criticized. But I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed this entire run. I thought Slot did a good job with this. I think Slot kind of lost his way with Spider-Man when he started like with the Parker Industries and all of that. Mm. But at this point, I still was really enjoying what he was doing. So, you know, it's hit and miss to some extent, but i I think that I think the hits were more enjoyable than the misses were bothersome for me.
2: Yeah.
1: So, uh, from a uh, re- rating point of view, I'm not really crazy about this cover. I feel like the image is lost in all the words on it, uh, the banners across it, and I'm. I get the you know the, the feel of foreboding they're trying to give you, but it just doesn't quite do it for me. I think it's rendered well, but I don't like it conceptually. Uh, so I'm going to say, I'm going to just give it a C on the cover, and I feel like I'm being generous, honestly. The interior art... I like the layouts. I like the pacing. I like the storytelling. It's more, my criticism is more just from a stylistic point of view. It's a little too cartoony for me. Uh, And like I said, some of the points are a little too angular as far as I'm concerned. But overall, uh, when I balance it out, I'm going to say a C plus on the interior art. And story-wise, I really like this. I thought it was a a, a really clever storyline that Slot came up with. I, like I said, I think he's playing the long game, and I think you have to read it through to really appreciate it. But I'm going to say a B plus on the story, and
0: overall, I'm going to give the book a B minus. Hmm. Well, I've got a big gripe about this cover, and I don't think I talked about it the last time when one of the like when we did an Iron Man book that was from the same era. The whole Marvel now and putting the freaking number at the bottom right-hand corner of the comic book makes it next to impossible to find a back issue in a damn box. Because you got to pull out the whole flipping issue just to get the number. You you agree? Yes, I yeah. totally agree. I hate that. <laughs> I hate that for this error. It makes it so hard to figure out what issue you're looking at. you got to pull it all the way out. Yeah. Ugh. But that aside... Um, yeah, the banner. I don't know. It's it is. It's like it's, it's pretty dark. But I get the the dark feeling they're going with. But yeah, you think the banner could have been a little smaller? It's almost like it be between what's on the bottom and what's on the top, it just really compresses and boxes in. Now I did like, note noticing that the fingers digging into the concrete. I do like that touch to match up with the story. So. I, I'm gonna give it a C plus. What? What? Why? What? what are you laughing? At? I just—it seems like you're going back and forth, which is just kind of cool. Well, that's why I'm just gonna go with a C. I'm gonna put it right in the middle. I I like the interior art a little bit more, I think, than you do. Except one picture, two pictures. Why does the cop have to look like me? <laughs> Black beard, I mean, and sunglasses. Why? Why is he got to be a fat cop? Huh? Maybe Stegman likes you. And eh, whatever. But well, I'm not that fat. I hope. And that picture. And when they're at dinner, when did did Peter Parker become Jerry Lewis with a glass of champagne? You know the picture I'm talking about. Yeah. And yeah. I go, the, the very last picture of the dinner. Uh, I can't dinner. stand that picture. I can't right, stand that. It just looks... So, everywhere else, he looks really good, and he looks maniacal, and he looks like, you know, he's got the arrogance, but right there, oh my god. Just, you know, uh, that not that not that knocks the, down the art. So that brings the art back to a C+, plus, whereas I probably would have given it a B. Um, and the story, I'm going to give the story a um, like I mean, I've got an interest now, although I know where it's eventually going to end up. But, you know, it would be nice to go for the trip. So I'm going to give the story a B plus. So that puts it, you know, C plus B minus area for me. Yeah,
1: so we're in the same area. Yeah. The only, the only difference really is that I know where this I I went through the journey on the story. Yeah. We both know where it's going to go, but I, right. went, I, took, I took the trip.
0: You went uh, the long way
1: around. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that'll do it for today. All hope right. everybody enjoyed listening. Uh, thank you, Bill. Thank you, everybody who listened, and uh, we'll see you next time. Got some funny for us to go out on to the moon, Paul. To the moon.
3: <laughs> thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old fashioned comic book back issue awesomeness you can contact back to the bins to leave feedback comments questions suggestions and criticisms via email at back at gmail.com or by joining the back to the bins group on facebook back to the bins is a proud affiliate of the two true freaks internet radio network which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com two true freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to twotruefreaks at gmail.com please take a moment to stop by the 2 true site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week.
0: Ah, uh, what is this? This is... I have a stuffed fish. This is... Uh, I, I know this. Nemo, that's what it is. Get the fuck out of here. Get out of here. Why is there a Nemo? Is there stuffed Nemo on my desk? And a flash ring. I got a flash ring. I got a stuffed Nemo. I got some Toontown cards. I have this. This is what's on my desk. I have a package of chicken ramen noodle. I don't even, even eat chicken ramen noodle. N- 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 blah, whatever. It's on my desk. <sighs> it's like I'm losing hey, ground every, every day. I'm like, it's like the Viet Cong are in my house. They infiltrate everything, everything in my life, in my desk. And I fight, did every fight every day? Like tunnel rats. Sorry, I guess I could stop venting. (laughs) I love my children. I love my wife.